Guns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, 3 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're live today from Footprint Center, where tonight, Suns, Warriors, 8 o'clock tip time. You'll, of course, hear it right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, the Arizona Sports app as well, um, as it's a matchup between what was expected to be, again, two of the top teams in the Western Conference. The Suns have mostly held up their end of the bargain. The Warriors have not. And while the Warriors are coming off a, a shellacking of a win against the Spurs, they won by 37 the other night. Jordan Poole had 36. Yeah. Uh, big game for him. Big Clay, game. Clay Thompson was rested. Um, they didn't have to play Steph or Draymond a lot. So they're going to come in really well rested tonight. This is a team that's 0-7 on the road and has so many questions about it right now. There was actually a story you sent me on The Ringer. I'm a big fan of The Ringer website, especially when it comes to their NBA coverage. I think they're really, really good at it. And one of the questions they asked, seven NBA observations. Question number one, has the war- has the window closed on the Golden State Warriors? And they write, the Warriors are 6-8, and eight, their defense stinks, their bench is horrid. <laughs> James Weissman looks like a massive bust. Drafting Jonathan Kaminga over Franz Wagner looks like a critical blunder. You, know, you can't say you can't just say Franz Wagner. You've got to like Wagner. You really got to write. You got to you, yes. you can't just say it. You got to emphasize it. Has the window closed? I'm going to say no. That they still have the ability to make a trade. They can always trade Wiseman or somebody else to go get some, to get somebody. You are going to get to the playoffs, and a lot of these bench guys that are playing now aren't going to play at all because we do talk about shortened rotations. You play nine or ten guys. Their goal needs to be to have Draymond and Clay fresh, and those guys will. You know, there's a light switch that goes on when you you know you have that championship pedigree, and that light switch, if those guys are healthy, will go on for Curry, Clay, Draymond, Andre Iguodala. Those guys it'll come on i wouldn't say the window is closed it's closing oh, it's, it's on the way closing. yeah it's on the way down and it may fully close this year i mean that's a team that you know the way you look at them now i could see something like what happened to the suns happening to them where they don't even make the western conference finals this year they get upset in the first round or the second round because they're just not that good what's what they're showing us now is that they've got a lot of issues they got a lot of problems their defense is terrible yeah their bench is one of the worst in the league so it's not very good now their starting lineup you know is doing okay but they're doing this without without clay's been awful i mean clay's having the worst year of his career yes and it's not even close like his offense which used to be so great isn't isn't good enough right now to overcome how poor defensively he is because he can't move very much curry's playing outstanding but he seems like it seems like curry's on an island by himself no and the defense which used to be elite hasn't been this year draymond green at the center of that defense he hasn't anchored it the way he has in the past i'll you know is the window closed no it's not closed. And there's a couple reasons it's not closed. Number one is that the date today is November 16th. NBA windows don't close on November 16th. <laughs> they don't. It's just, too, it's just too early in the season. In a season that's so long, and we, we've learned this, we relearned this the last couple of years. Things that happen in November basketball, December basketball very rarely matter when it comes to April basketball or May or June basketball. So that's reason number one I'm not going to pass any judgment. Number two is 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 that the West we might have overvalued it a little bit. And I know that's it's I'm you know making an early determination on things and I just said I wasn't gonna do that. But the Clippers 
it's been a struggle for them to start. The Suns, it hasn't been like they're just dominating everybody. But they were. They were until this they last were. road trip. Like they, like, oh, then they lost everybody. Then everybody got lo- hurt. Right. But the Suns were dominating like, everybody. The Suns were that team. Remember, they beat Golden State. They beat the Clippers. They beat um, Dallas. They yeah. beat, it was like, wow. The Phoenix Suns the Phoenix just Suns beat like, good again. Three, real, three or four really good teams. And Earth, like, I was six and one. Their only loss was to Portland. I know. But then and they, then lost they finally lost to Portland again. Yeah. But that was it up until that second game against Portland. It was like, damn. Yeah. The Suns are good. Ever since Cam Johnson got hurt, this team has kind of been floating. Right, the Suns. They've kind of been adrift, right? Looking for their anchor, trying to figure out what home base is, what they are, who they are. They haven't really found it yet. Um, So I I just think, I think more than anything, Steph Curry is a champ. Clay Thompson is a champ. Steve Kerr is right. These guys have this incredible pedigree. Write them off at your own risk. I I will revisit this in January and February. And if they're still this bad, if they're still, you know, what are they, the the 11th seed right now in the Western Conference, they wouldn't even make the play in tournament right now. If they're this bad in January, let's throw all sorts of dirt on the Golden State Warriors and say that they're done and the window is closed. I just don't want to do that to them with their pedigree this early in the season. this seems way too early to do Listen, it. this story brings up a very interesting thing. It says the reality is that Poole is better than Thompson now, but he plays a vital role off the bench. Clay Thompson is making $40 million, and he can become a free agent in 2024. Long before then, the team could upgrade their roster if they could package Clay with picks and young players. That's a possible harsh future ahead if Thompson doesn't make notable improvements. <laughs> They're talking like, wow. it, and you know, and I, I really like their basketball coverage too. I think it's outstanding. But they're talking about the possibility of trading Clay Thompson. Now, maybe they don't do that this year out of respect to Clay. They'll do everything they can to try to get him right. But you get to next year, and Curry's window's closing because of his age, and somebody will take if you if you give up like Weissman and another young player and draft picks. Somebody might take that Clay Thompson salary and get Clay a better running mate than what Clay Thompson is right now. So we give Steph a better running mate than what? Did I say Steph? Yeah, yeah. not Clay. Yeah. Steph. They give Steph a better running mate by getting Clay out of there and bringing somebody else in. Yeah, potentially. And and, and Steph, right now, it's one-man showtime, right? I mean, like, he's... he's And it wasn't the other night against the Spurs, but the Spurs are the Spurs. Um, it, it's, it's really that team. Draymond Green has taken such a step back defensively. And, and he, look, it's national TV. It's the Suns. They're all going to be up for this game. Everybody... We, we heard Eric played the sound back in the studio in his update the last time these two teams played Clay Thompson ejected Devin Booker talking talking mess all night long they're going to be amped up for this one too and they haven't won a game on the road so I would expect the best Golden State can muster tonight let's put it that way for a team that hasn't won a game on the road I think we will see the very best Golden State can muster on the road tonight is it good enough to beat the Suns who may or may not have Chris Paul I don't know but I think you'll get the very best the Warriors have to offer I think that anytime a team plays the Suns you usually get the best they have to offer the Suns in the last few years have developed a reputation and they're a trash talking team and you remember the last game so the Warriors are going to want to put it to the Suns and you know and and show them that hey we're we're still on top we're still the defending champs. Week 11 of Bix Picks, it's underway. Text the word PICK to 620-620. Sign up, compete against Dan Bickley. It's your chance at the grand prize. 75-inch TV, and it's courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 620-620 to enter. Colt McCoy, he's not about to become the Cardinals' Geno Smith, is he? 
tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Kyle Murray, earlier today, meeting with the media, talking about the impact that Colt McCoy has had on him during his Cardinals career. Colt, man, he's a... He's probably, he's, since I've been in the league, really my only, honestly, whole career, you know, only really veteran quarterback besides Bake, obviously in college, but, um, you know, he's been around so much football, been around so many great coaches, uh, dealt with a lot of players, schemes, um, just a really intelligent football player, obviously, great friend, you know, uh, kind of got that father figure type of uh, vibe to him. All the guys look to him, you know, can trust him, uh, really reliable, accountable, just, you know, he, he's a great teammate. So um, to have him, you know, in my corner, obviously the guys love him. Um, I mean, there's nothing, nothing more I could ask for out of a, out of a guy. So. Now, before we talk about Colt, let's, for the benefit of our audience, if you're just tuning in, um, they, there was a walkthrough today for the Cardinals. No injury report until tomorrow because everything's a day late with the game being on Monday. Cliff uh, said all of kind of the usual stuff when it comes to not being sure who's going to play right now. Both Colt and Kyler are day to day. Kyler, for what it's worth, said that he feels good, but he wants to make sure he feels right. So we, you know, in a nutshell, we really don't know who is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cardinals on Monday, and we don't need to know anytime soon. We still have a ways before that game. Cliff said it's going to be either Kyler or Colt. One of them will be ready to go. But it's very obvious, listening to Cliff today, listening to Kyler today, there is a tremendous amount of respect within that organization for Colt McCoy and what he brings to the table. Yeah. Tremendous. Because the, Colt's no threat to Kyler. You know, he's not a threat to be the long-term answer for, at his age, right? There's no chance that, that he's, what's he, 36 years old, I think? I believe you are correct. So I don't think there's any chance that, like, Colt McCoy is a veteran backup. I mean, 11 years years ago, and it was a terrific story on Pro Football Talk, talking about Geno Smith thriving in his first year as a full-time starter, first time since 2014. Well, it's been 11 years since Colt McCoy, you know, has been that guy. I mean, he's hasn't been a starting quarterback since 2011. This is 11 years later. You know, it was in his second season with the Browns, but these last couple of years with the Cardinals, he has really become one of those trusted backup quarterbacks that you, like, really like. So... At his age, with his experience, and the fact that you don't, you know, you don't pay these guys a lot, he's a great guy to come in and play a couple of games. Especially with Kyler being a guy that's very likely every year going to miss a game or two or three because he's ding, just ding, ding. a small quarterback. I don't, you know, Kyler Murray may never play in a or, or, or may struggle to play a lot of you know seventeen game seasons. He may get bang, he gets banged up a little bit, and if he's got to miss a game or two or three, Colt McCoy seems like he is the perfect backup quarterback to Kyler. Perfect. Every team, well, every team would like to have a backup quarterback like Colt. I think you're absolutely right. This team in particular, it, it almost, and I know we're only four years into this Kyler Murray, you know, era, if you will. You're right. He's just going to miss games. I mean, you just almost have to. I was thinking about that today, you know, reading some of the reports about whether Kyler was going to play or not. Uh, there was even a report. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. But somebody tweeted today that I guess Jeremy Fowler of ESPN at some point on one of the shows today on ESPN said that he's hearing Kyler may not be good to go this week. Again, no official uh, classification or determination from the Cardinals, but that's what Fowler said. And when I saw that on Twitter, I thought to myself, that's exactly why you've got 
got to have a Colt McCoy on this roster at all times. Because Kyler, here we are, it's November, and Kyler is missing games. You know, and that doesn't make Kyler a bad guy or a bad quarterback. It's a tough position to play. You've got to have a veteran like Colt McCoy behind him. And, And I think Colt has done so well keeping himself in shape he could honestly probably do this for a couple more years if he wanted to. Well, he's under contract for what this year and next year, so he's under contract through twenty twenty three. So they, you know, they paid him more money. He's averaging about three point seven five million dollars per year, um, and it was even a, you know they even pointed out in two thousand seventeen. Washington, there were people in that Washington organization that wanted to keep Colt McCoy as the starter at about $3 million for the season instead of paying Kirk Cousins $24 million under the franchise tag. And their reasoning was that Kirk Cousins is not eight times better than Colt McCoy. $24 million or $3 million. Kirk Cousins is not eight times better. Play Colt McCoy. Yeah. Now, I mean, you could make the argument here that is Kyler Murray 12 times better than Colt McCoy? Because he's making 12 times as much money. Look, he's 36 years old. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him. He's a quality guy that can win you football games. Now, over a short sample size, you'll like him. I don't know how much you would like him over a long sample that's, size. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. And I think there's a, a limit to how much Colt McCoy you can take, right? Like, there's, there's a limit to how much Colt McCoy can do. Um, is he is he worth one-twelfth the salary of Kyler Murray? I mean, that's a tough question to answer. I do think, I think we even saw it a little bit last year. Think about the three games that Colt McCoy came in and played for the Cardinals. He was terrific against Seattle. He was awful against Carolina. And he and was terrific San against San Francisco. Yes. And I yeah. think if Colt McCoy... Had to had to play, and I say this with no disrespect intended at all, but it's going to come out disrespectful. If he had to play any more than four or five games in a season, I think you would see that really limited ceiling he has kind of be exposed, right? Like, there's just, athletically, he doesn't hold a candle to Kyler Murray. Arm strength, he doesn't hold a candle to Kyler Murray. Now, they're not using Kyler's arm strength the way we'd like them to, or Kyler's not using it the way yeah, we'd but, like but, them to. But what he does better than Kyler right now is getting the ball out quickly I, I don't, and I, reading a defense. I don't deny that. I, I just think eventually defensive coordinators will and would catch on to the things that Colt McCoy can't do very well. Probably and right. And they would work very hard to take away the things that he does do very sure. well. When that happens, he'd be exposed. Whereas Kyler has less things you can take away from him if if he's at the very top of his game. He hasn't been this year, and that's why we've had this week-long conversation about who the quarterback should be. Yeah, I, and that's it, it's tough because I think right now we look at it and we say, what's the best option for the Cardinals against the 49ers? Me and you both kind of think right now it's Colt McCoy. And it's not it, – it, and I, I've, I've said this. like Kyler needs to be the long-term answer for the Cardinals, but Kyler hasn't shown me very much this year that makes me have a lot of faith in his ability to be, win that game. And so that's why maybe the alternative could be better. You know, not that it's the complete unknown, but, you know, Cole McCoy did go beat the 49ers last year. He beat them up pretty good, had a good game. And then Kyler just has not impressed us this year. He's regressed. He's gotten worse. Yeah. So there's just not a lot of belief that Kyler's going to go win that football game on, for, on Monday night. Kyler was asked today if he's noticed any difference in the play calling when Colt was out there. No, I mean, the only difference I would notice was, you know, just... And like I said the week of, you know, we had nothing to lose, you know, just um, not being uptight about anything, letting it ride, calling whatever it is. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we're going to try to go out there and execute whatever's called. Um, I think he did a great job of just 
you know, calling the game, you know. So look, best case scenario, and I know Wolf has talked about this many, many times. Best case scenario is that Cliff or is that Kyler took a week off, sat back, watched it, saw it, you know, watched how Colt was seeing it, watched how Colt processed it. And that helped Kyler better process. Did it. he do that last year in those three games? No, but Kyler, remember, he was playing like an MVP level when Colt went out. It wasn't like Kyler was struggling when Colt went out. Kyler was so a week, in the top sit five back, conversation. Week, sit back, don't play, don't think, overthink too much, look and learn and watch watch the film and look at what, what Colt. Yeah, I mean, maybe. You hope so. That's, that's, the, that's the hope. You hope so. That's the hope. I'm Most guys would. Happen. I'm saying that's the hope. Yeah. You know? I'm going you know, gonna, I'm gonna to watch it from a different angle. I'm going to watch it from the sidelines. So, yep. Okay, I'm going to hear it in the headphone. I'm going to watch the film this week and see you know, the, the passes he hit. That was open. I got to find those things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, last year, remember, it was a different deal. We were begging for Kyler to get back because he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year. It's just such a different narrative with how he's played. When we come back, his team has struggled as of late. They've started to go deeper into the depth chart. Is Suns general manager James Jones now trying to find help? Our exclusive conversation with James is coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. Our weekly visit with James Jones every Wednesday at 3.30 here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're actually uh, inside, well, not James's house, but you know his arena. We're here doing James's the show. James's house? Like, we're not James's house. Nice. It feels like James's house, but we're here at James's he house He probably right feels now. it's his house, too, as much as he's here. He probably does. We're at Footprint Center for tonight's Suns Warriors game. Joining us right now on the phone, the general manager of the Suns, James Jones. How are you doing, James? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me again. All right, what was the best concert? We we, we both went to Elton John the other day. What was the best concert you've ever been to in your life? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I had a really good uh, Black Keys concert here in Phoenix. I thought that was they're so, unbelievable. They're so um, good. They're so good. Oh. I would have to say Black Keys. My Black Keys. Okay. Any, here. Any, of the, any of the old school guys, anything from 60s, 70s, 80s that you went to see that you loved? Nah, man, I was born in '80, so I didn't see it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I did see the Eagles when they came here. Okay, there you, you go. Those guys, those guys are phenomenal. I mean, they're still kicking it like like it's 1975. They're coming back, man. They're coming back again. The Eagles, are, 2023. So, yeah. Foreigners having their last uh, tour too. Foreigners. So Black Keys and the, and Eagles. the Eagles. Okay, okay. Because okay. we saw Elton John the other day. It was unbelievable. It was so good. Not to yeah, get. I missed that one. Not- not together. I, I went with my wife. Down. I went with my wife. He went with his wife. But yeah, it was incredible. Um, without Cam Johnson, without Chris Paul, and with no trade of Jay yet, you get a chance to see, you know, some players. And I know you're big on that. I know you're big on your roster and how you build your roster. And you got it. We had Dwayne Washington on the show yesterday. Great, just a great kid. Twenty-one points, knocked down five three-pointers in that game. What did you learn about Dwayne Washington in that Miami game that may be able to help you going forward? I mean, well, you know, the one thing that Dwayne embodies that we need more of is fearlessness. Um, you know, he's he he works his tail off, um, but he's not afraid of the moment. And he's been he's been playing against really good players for a long time, and he believes he belongs. And he knows that uh, that you know, in our system, um, if you 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 get opportunities, you make the most of them. Um, you can help the team. So it's it's been good to just see him on the perimeter, be able to give us some scoring, uh, give us a scoring punch, especially with Landry down. 
uh, because you know we're going to have to lean on on our guys on the perimeter to make up for Chris and Landry's absence. Let, let's talk about that. We, we we thought Chris might make it back for one of those two games on that the last two games of that trip didn't happen. What's the update for Chris and Landry for tonight's game against Golden State? I mean, they're day to day, but I, I would envision most of those guys probably not playing. Um, I have to check, check with our medical staff to see what the updates are, but you know, they're working through it. Um, for Chris, we just we're going to be cautious um, because we're thinking long term. Uh, just making sure that you know when he's he's with us, he's able to play at a high level and continue to build um, build with this group. Um, we're 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 banged up a little bit right now, um, but you know when when we get him back, we want him back whole. So unlikely that either one of those guys plays tonight is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Uh, the other game, the game the other night, I meant to say against Miami. What? Did you want to see more out of D.A. and Mikel in the fourth quarter of that game? Is that kind of what you guys are shooting for by design when it comes to getting other guys who can be offensive threats for you late in these games? And did that leave you wanting a little more, James? Always, want, We always want to see those guys be able to do more in the fourth quarter. Like, we know what's coming, right? Ultimately, when we get to the playoffs, teams are going to try to take Devin and Chris away. And any guy that's on the floor in the fourth quarter, especially our guys, that what I call our core guys that are going to play a lot of minutes, we need them to take those opportunities. And we need them to be successful. Um, but we also need them to fail. And, you know, that's the only way we can get better is, is them challenging themselves to, to make the most of those opportunities. And so by design um, and just by construction, like those are our guys, they're going to be in those moments. And, and we expect them to continue to, 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 to come through. Not it. Not that it's all on him because he's obviously such a great member of your organization. But I think back to the end of that game, Mikel passed up a wide, wide, wide open three to get the ball to Devin. And and I know Devin's your closer. Is that a shot that Mikel needs to be encouraged to let fly in a moment like that? Even though Devin is the quote unquote closer in that moment. Always, Um, you know, just time and score. There, there are a bunch of different ways you can look at it. Um, Mikel, Mikel makes big shots for us. And he works his tail off, um, and he's earned the right to make those plays and, and to take those take those shots and be in those moments. And if he fails, you know, like I said, it's, it's conditioning for the postseason because uh, those opportunities are going to come, and teams are going to try to take our guys away. So I, I would, and I know Coach, the team, we've all talked about it. He'd be the first to tell you um, that's an opportunity for him to, to make a play, and uh, the next time he won't turn it down. He had the incredible game against Minnesota. He was just—he was the best player on the court against the T Wolves. And the big question is—is is that it's got to be so hard to be able to do that consistently? Like, okay, I'm consistently going to give you twenty to twenty-five points every night, and sometimes give you thirty. Why is that? Why is it so difficult for a guy that's not a star player like a Devin Booker to 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 be consistent when you do see them on occasion have these great, incredible games? Well, you're, you're talking about two different types of players. Um, you're talking about, you know, Devin, who's offensively one of the most gifted players, and, and he's an offensive-minded player. And, and that's the side of the ball where he, he, he started and where he excels. Um, that's not knocking him as a defender, uh, but he's an exceptional offensive player. Uh, Mikel is, is in the mode of those guys that you're asking to do a lot on both sides of the ball. So you're asking them to guard the other team's best player. You're asking them to play 41 minutes. Give everything you can to guard, you know, a Dame Lillard, a Steph Curry, but then come back on the other end offensively and and, and give you 25 points. So it's 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 a challenge, 
it's not impossible, uh, but it's it's extremely difficult. And and typically guys grow into that uh, because it's a mental and a physical conditioning that you have level that you have to reach. And and very few players are, are born or brought into this league. Um, that way, even the great ones, they all develop that over time. Uh, the thing with being born and developing is a big thing. We, we talk about this all the time. With my boxing background, I, I'm big on, look, you're either born being an aggressive person or, or you're not. And with DeAndre, like you look at that game the other night against Miami, Bam Adebayo got to the free throw line a lot. He got he had, he had got two free throws, then he had a, a three-point play, then a three-point play, and then two free throws. He kept being aggressive and getting there. I think that that's something you're born with. I I think it's very hard. If you're not an overly aggressive person, I think it's hard to become one. So with that being said, DeAndre Ayton, the inability to get to the free throw line being a center, how much at times does that hurt you? I mean, well, it it, it hurts. It hurts if, you know, if, if you can't, like, it, it hurts a lot uh, if, you, if that's your game, right? If your team relies on you having a guy in the middle, drawing fouls, drawing contact to push you to the penalty, um, it, it hurts you, um, but you know, for us, I think across the board, uh, we're a team that traditionally doesn't draw a lot of fouls because we're a team that that plays in flow, and, and you have to pick your spots. But we we also don't want, um, and and this is a message for all of our guys: we don't want to turn it into a free throw seeking contest where all we do is we gauge like how effective we can be by how many free throws we can draw, or how much contact we can get. Uh, because now you put it one in the referee's hands, and as we've seen, um, it's it's uneven sometimes. And so, if that becomes your game, you become subject to trying to do something or, or manage a game that's out of your control. So you just have to strike a balance. But you know, the, the, there's really no right answer to how many free throws you should draw and whether or not you should be a free throw team. Um, each player has a different profile and, and they're successful different ways. So, but what's your feeling like you get to the end of that game and, and they're able to, you know, Payne gets the ball, the book, he gets fouled, but you're not in a bonus. So you're not in a bonus, so then you've got to run the play. Um, and then, you know, DA grabs the rebound, gets it to McHale, gets it to Book, he gets blocked by Butler, goes up, misses again, but not being in the bonus. Is that is that an issue for you? Do you feel like if you're a little bit more aggressive, you want to be in the bonus at the end of the game? Of course you want to be in the bonus, but, you know, like, like I said, I think we shot four free throws against a very aggressive defensive team. And, like, just in the course of the game, the way they guard, to get four free throws would tell me, like, I, I, I think that you could probably try to be more aggressive so that you can, like, really force the issue. But in the flow of the game, you're not getting those calls. And so it still comes back down to us. How do we play? How do we execute? I think if you look away from the free throws and whether or not the free throws got you in the bonus of possessions, uh, we had maybe four or five minutes where we were about 13. We had some stretches to make plays. We turned it over. You know, so like we can be better in those moments, but of course, you always want more free throws. You want more threes. You want all those things. Yeah, and the last question on this, and then we'll let you go for the day, James. And I, I, when it comes to DeAndre specifically in the style of basketball you're trying to build here and have built here, eventually, would you like him to evolve into a player that does seek at least a little more contact than he does right now? Is that something you'll hope his game will evolve to at some point and some point soon? I mean, I'll, I'll always encourage it. Um, like I said, it, it's it's always a, a, a topic of discussion. It's always like you want more of all those things. You know, you want more off-the-dribble creativity. 
you want more range from shooting, you want more free throws, um, and that's, that hasn't changed. He knows that. Um, eventually, over time, we hope that we can lead in all those categories, but until then, we have to really make sure that we find a way to be effective until we get to where we want to be. James, thank you for the time as always. We appreciate the candid conversation. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck to the organization tonight. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Suns, Warriors tonight, 8 o'clock tip time here on Arizona Sports. When we come back, a disturbing trend. Is it happening to the Cardinals or is it not a trend at all? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kyler Murray today in meeting with the media, in addition to not being certain about his playing status for Monday's game against San Francisco, was also asked what has become the question of the day for the Cardinals the last two days or so. What the heck happened with Eno Benjamin? Yeah, I mean, I've. Uh... Grown, I've grown, you know, we, we had a pretty good friendship, um, worked together all in the off season just because, you know, we're obviously right down the street from each other. You know, it wasn't really um, not sure on what exactly, you know, went down, but like I said, I, I can't really speak on it. I don't really have too much uh, knowledge on the situation. I'm really curious on Hard Knocks tonight to see if we get yeah. any kind of insight into this at all. Yep. One, for two reasons. Number one, Will they be able to turn it fast enough? You know, like like think back to last week's episode of Hard Knocks. The end of the episode was basically the end of the game, right? And you saw a little bit in the locker room, but not a lot. I mean, it was pretty much the, the end of the game, and that was the end of the episode. And, and so I don't know if there's time to take whatever happened with Eno and flip it and put it to this week's episode. And number right. two, if the Cardinals have any kind of editorial control over this, will they allow us to see what happened with Eno Benjamin? Well, you would, I, I listen, know. You, would, you, you would do everything you can to get that to get that in there this week. You would do everything you can. Okay, because the, you know, not that the shelf life. Everybody will still want to see it, but right now it's hot. Eno Benjamin got cut. He was their backup running back. Four teams put a claim on him. Yeah, Eno Benjamin got cut. The backup running back got cut. Look, I mean, it was definitely he was definitely concerned and and uh, voiced his displeasure with James Conner starting and him not playing. And it was definitely something going on with an altercation and a coach. Um, you know, after the game was over. Um, and it may have even be, been more from you know from some of the stuff that I've heard. So it was enough to justify the Cardinals saying, like, we got to cut you. Like, we can't allow this behavior. So think about what must have happened. Okay, player doesn't – okay, player is upset that another player is starting over him. Okay, big deal. It happens all the time. Confrontation with the coach. Okay? I mean, you know, sometimes players get into it with coaches. So think about how much that must have had to escalate to get to the point where they decided we can't have you on this roster anymore. Okay? Like, put two and two together. We've been around this league for the, we've been around this sports for a long time. Players unhappy that he, that he, that he wasn't starting. All the time. Yeah. Time a dozen. Every week, guys are unhappy that they're not starting. He was upset that James Conner was starting over him. Maybe he thought that he earned the start. Whatever. Okay, that happens. I'm not going to cut a guy over that. Had a words with oh, altercation with the coach. Okay, what type of altercation? How far did that altercation go? Right. Because sometimes you see coaches and guys get into it on the sideline all the time. They don't get cut. Hey, we're cutting that guy. Why? Because he was yelling at the coach. Yeah. We can't, it happens all the Kyler time. Kyler Murray told Cliff Kingsbury to calm the bleep down. Right. You're, you're obviously so, so, not going to cut Kyler. Murray, no, but, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. it's it, it, and so think about what 
how much something like that must have escalated to get to the point where they, 12 hours later, they, they got rid of them. It's, it's such a good, it's such a calm, perspective-filled way of looking at it. Because it's not like the Cardinals wanted to cut Eno Benjamin. No. It's not like, I mean, here's a late-round draft pick that they hit on. It worked. You you hold on as tight as you can to guys like that. One, because they're cheap. And two, because they're productive. I, I mean, that's a recipe for success when you're talking about draft picks in this league. It had to have, uh, and you're so right, it had to have been so bad that the Cardinals are like, we just can't keep him. What we want to keep him, we like him. The kids worked hard. I mean, look, a lot of Eno apologists around here. And I'm not saying the Eno apologists are wrong, but because of his ties to ASU, there are a lot of people in this market who are rooting for Eno Benjamin to succeed. And so they know that the Cardinals aren't dumb. They knew they were going to take a PR hit on this one. They knew their fan base was going to be at least partially, some of them, outraged. How could you cut him? What did you do? He went right. to ASU. What did it, he do? It had to be so bad because they didn't want to do this. They weren't in a rush to go do something. And they also weren't in a rush to really explain anything. Cliff Kingsbury today didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. He didn't have much to say. You know, we're just always going to do what's best for the organization. Um, not going to get into a lot of details on it, but uh, it's just one of those cases. And that's not that. going to get into details on it, because you're not going to want to know the details. And they don't want you to know the details. No. They're not going to want, they don't want, they like, they want to try to keep that in-house as best they can. Yep. Because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to really damage the kids' reputation. So they'll try to keep it in-house as much as they can. Certain stuff's leaking out. But the only way you got to look at this is guys arguing, guys are, you know, unhappy with his playing time or unhappy that he's not starting. Okay. You know, you don't cut a guy over that. Then the altercation with the coach. You know, if, if it was just an argument and he like, you know, you started complaining, like that doesn't usually get you cut either. Yep. So it had to, it had to be elevated from there to get him to the point that they cut him. You mentioned four teams. The Texans ultimately got him. We reported that yesterday, um, and they officially confirmed it last night. Saints, Seahawks, and Chiefs were the other teams that had put in claims on him. So I believe if the Texans had, had said no, Saints would have been the next team to get him. And then the Seahawks and then Kansas City after that. Uh, our own Dan Bickley wrote a very thought-provoking column today. I, I read it, and I, I kind of reread it, in which he talked about the level of the Cardinals' culpability in this and whether there's a pattern that they're following of not communicating their intentions well enough to their players. Whether it's Andy Isabella, whether it's A.J. Green, whether it's Greg George, whether it's you know Patrick Peterson and, and that ugly mess okay. from a couple of weeks okay. ago. Are the Cardinals not communicating well enough to their players and that's what's leaving their players so emotionally hurt about this and willing to kind of lash out and I, I, I read it, and I thought about it, and I read it, and I thought about it again. And, and, and I, I'm still not quite sure how I feel in this specific case if the Cardinals should have done anything different. It's hard to know that the Suns without commu- knowing exactly what Eno did to get himself cut. The Suns know? communicated their, ch- their plans to Jay Crowder. What happened? He's sitting at home right sitting now, home. and nothing's happened. So they would communicate. They communicated their plans with him. Would they have been better off not saying a damn thing? Look, just go to training camp and, you know, internally, like, we th- we want Cam to start, but have Jay show up and don't don't say anything? And, you know, or maybe, you know, because maybe I, I, I think the Jay contract issue was probably more about I'm not going to start, so my numbers are going to go down, and I'm not going to make as much money. I think that's how it played out. 
Look, I don't know that you owe these guys anything. You're, you're, they're the employee. You're the employer. Like, like you try to be open and give them as much communication as you can, but sometimes you just don't. Like with Patrick Peterson, like they didn't want Patrick Peterson back, but they were always keeping that window cracked just a little bit in case they weren't able to get anybody else. So they didn't want to tell him, we're definitely not bringing you back because there was still a 5% chance that they would. So why do that? Why say you're not? there's no way you're coming back? We, we don't want you. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you to a point. I think there are certain players where you owe them a little bit more than that. Like a Patrick Peterson type, this guy's franchise legend. You know, I, I think you... But they le- truly really didn't know what I, was going to happen. But I, I think once you do know, you owe him that phone call. Right. You you owe him that text message. Well, you, just you to say, owe- look, here's the bottom line. Like, you know, we, we, we're interested in bringing you back, um, but we are looking at a couple other guys. If we can't get any of them, you know, but I don't know, is that a slap in the face to him? I mean, do you really have to tell all of your plans to everybody? I think the other way is more of a slap in the face. Now, a guy like Eno Benjamin, I mean, I hate to say that Eno deserves less respect, but I think with Eno, you can go to him and say, hey, you're not going to be involved in the game plan this much, and and just and leave it at that, and and not expect him to lose his mind over it if that's what happened. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I think a guy like A.J. Green, to a certain extent, given his veteran status in this league, you probably pull him aside, you have a little chat with him, hey, we're probably not going to play a whole lot the next couple of weeks, we're going to try these other guys. I, I think that's sort of what is owed to players who have given a certain amount into the league, or have given a certain amount to your organization, and I don't know if Eno had based that status. Baseball does it the best, defining roles. Here's your role. Here's what I expect out of you. Here's what's going to happen. You're a bullpen guy. We're going to use you in the in the late innings. You're a bullpen guy. We're going to use you in the middle innings. You're a long real. You know, baseball is really good at defining roles, and I understand what you're saying because I think there is a fine line to cross. Like, how much do you have to tell these guys? But it does help them, right? If you do have open communication and you, and they know what their role is beforehand, it does help stop the controversy. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, just like that, we're at four o'clock, which means just like that, it's time to tell you what's going on in sports. Four o'clock. Reset is next on Burns and Gambo.